Welcome to the Rugby League Europe podcast. I can't believe it's episode three already of the Rugby League Europe podcast. Carlo, I know. three weeks already. Buongiorno. Buongiorno, come stai? Ciao, bello, ragazzi. Can you yeah, tell? Man, can yeah, you tell, Carlo? Cool. I've got a new microphone. Does my voice sound different on this? Well, you sound very professional, <laughs> and I don't know in which corner of the world professional will be. <laughs> however, however, yeah, mate, you sound much good, better good, good. Uh, rather than uh, sounding like you're, you're talking out of a. Tinkle. I'll just do the slightly serious stuff first before we start talking. Um, we want our listeners to. Uh, talk with us and they are probably our best researchers too um they can talk to us on twitter at, at the rle podcast the rl the e and the p are all capitals that's on twitter uh, all lowercase on instagram the rle podcast and on facebook just type in your rugby league europe podcast and you will find us um we've had a bit of correspondence this week carlo it's uh our message is getting out there yeah, it is. I've been following it. Um, I'm not as active as you are, but I, I do see the questions coming in. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of them uh, have been been quite interesting. It'd be great, again, keep them coming, because this is where you have your opportunity to, to ask a question, and we'll answer it as, as probably unqualified as possibly we can. Unqualified. At least we will. <laughs> Uh, at least, at least we'll be able to have a bit of a say and an opinion on it. And I think you and I, uh, you know, we do have an opinion. We've both been uh, European uh, or international coaches, and and I think it's it's important that we we uh, we answer the questions that probably need to be asked. Well, Carlo Napolitano, despite your Salfordian accent, you have been the Italian head coach in a World Cup, and myself, Lee Addison, I've been a head coach of uh, a couple of countries now. Um, and the last one was Poland, but I've also worked at a couple of World Cups. We both actually worked at the same World Cup in 2013, didn't we? I was with America, and you had yeah, the uh, top yeah. job with Italy. Um, can you go through yeah. any any of the correspondence? Is there anything that jumped out here this week, Carlo? Well, I think I think one of the the, the curly questions that I want to ask, and I think I, Carlo's I, curly question even introduced this question didn't. But I think. Um, <laughs> There's a question I want to ask you, actually, mate, if I don't mind. And mm. I think you were very successful as the Poland coach, mm. taking them to an Emerging Nations uh, championship or cup, whatever it may be. But mm. you won that competition. Uh, how did the how did the Poland job come to an end? The analogy I would give you is like you might date a woman, and one of you wants to have the marriage and the kids and go the full distance and the other one's not ready for that commitment yet or two uh, it's too it's early <laughs> i'm i'm a coach who's ambitious i want to coach at world cups and i've got the qualifications i've got the background uh i want to coach as high as i can and i took the poland job yeah. on with the idea of taking them to a world cup um mm -hmm. i think what the emerging nations did was give it was almost like putting an elastoplast on a on a cut and hoping that will mend the cut. I think it's still in its very much very much its infant stages in Poland, and I think the committee and the players in and around it aren't numerous enough to action some of the things that they'd all want to achieve. So everyone says they want to reach a World Cup, 
but not everyone knows how to do that. Um, and I think yeah, I what collided with me was my passion for Poland. My granddad was Polish, meant a lot to my mm -hmm. father. But ultimately, my job, my business, my full-time day-to-day employment is coaching rugby league, and I need to be coaching at the highest level I can. And there's not mm -hmm. the, the, the journey on the ground in Poland is too long for me. I haven't got um, – I didn't get, sorry, enough assurances that what I wanted to see in terms of development um, was going to happen. And as things stood at the same kind of time, um, something was happening in and around Spain and a lot of the things that I wanted to achieve as a coach, I can do I can do with Spain. So I hope that answers some of that for you, Carlo. Um, do, you, yeah, do, you, do you empathise with that or do you think I'm still... Oh, 100%, 100%. I think... You know, on, on the next episode, it'd be good for you to probably return that question, and I can give you a bit of an insight on 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 uh, my role with Italy okay. and how that came to an end. I think we'll do that. We'll save that for a, for the next episode. But that that was very well articulated. I think, you know, you as a coach and a professional coach, whichever which way uh, you look at it, you know, because everyone thinks professional, you get paid. Yeah, that's not the case. Professional just means that you do something to the best of your ability mm -hmm. and to a standard that is is a professional standard now i think people get mistaken with that and i, and I think yeah, i just want to put that point there you know your aspirations to coach at a world cup is 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 founded as a as a coach as any anyone player coach administrator wants to go on and be do the best they possibly possibly can mm. i think you know those uh, those dreams are there and again what i can see in the emergence it's not as easy as everyone thinks and i can tell you that firsthand because i know because i've i've done it i've been a part of it um and it is very difficult it's very difficult we, you know you've got to have a little bit of luck as well but it's 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 a very very hard process mm. and i think a lot of these uh, young minnow nations should we call them um start off with a great idea but then realize how difficult it actually yeah. is and you know fair play to you and i think uh, lee you know there's nothing better than representing a country a country of heritage you know i was very proud and i still am a very proud italian and um because I walked away from the organisation or retired or resigned my position mm. doesn't make that any different. So, you know, just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you that a bit of, bit of, uh, bit of warm, warm <laughs> advice as well. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you mentioned next week's episode because that's actually next on my running sheet here to mention. Next week, we have got somebody in from the Euro 13s organisation, um, one of the organisers. Oh. Um, Can we say who it is? Uh, posted something today on social media today. Not yet, because it could be one of three people. Um, <laughs> but we're definitely getting someone, and we're just trying to work out some timetables. But we're, record we're recording this on the 8th of July, and I've done something on social media today, and I want everyone to, to go and look at it. Um, Euro 13 has divided some opinion, okay? Um, you yeah. know that, I know that. I think... Uh, some people have just taken to Twitter and Facebook and the like and said positive things and, and negative things, probably in equal measure. We're going to take the best of them, if not all of them, and put those to the organisers next week. Okay, Carlo? So, um, and there'll be no shirking from it. We will ask the questions. What we're also going to do prior to that is also call up some right. of the old tweets from some of the people that are quite negative in the rugby league world. Um, so next week's episode is already sounding quite juicy. This week, mate, you and I have gone off yeah, in different tangents, haven't we? Uh, Who did you interview uh, this week? I interviewed Dave Hunter from the Norwegian Rugby League. 
um, and got his insight to, number one, uh, Norway is a rugby league country, what their obstacles are uh, in a developing nation and also aspirations and dreams for, for that organisation moving forward. So Dave Hunter has been been strongly involved uh, over, over the last couple of years and, and uh, you know, it was, a, it was a great pleasure to talk to him. My interview, which we'll do now, though, is uh, I did this on Monday. Um, so Monday, the 6th of July. And it was from Andrew Pullen of the Serbian Rugby League. I won't say any more about it, mate, but just listen in because we'll have plenty to talk about after that. Hello, and for the Rugby League Europe podcast this week, I'm interviewing Mark Pullen from Serbian Rugby League. You don't sound Serbian to me, Mark. Tell us a story. Yeah, I'm not Serbian, to be fair, but I'm an adopted <laughs> adopted son of the Serbs, a Serbian son-in-law, a Zet, as they like to call him. I came over here. How did? You... Uh, but... oh, go on. I think you're going to answer my question. Yeah, go. Yeah, um, I met a, I met a girl on the internet back in 2001 playing backgammon. <laughs> playing backgammon at Yahoo. That's the best story I've ever heard. The best love story I've ever heard. Yeah, so I've been here nearly 18 years now. I've got two kids here, and uh... both born in Serbia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Do you get home much to England? Once or twice a year, just go and visit the family and stuff and take the kids over and help their English out. Tell, paint a little bit of the picture about Serbian Rugby League to us. What's happening over there? Well, Serbian Rugby League's more or less still in its infancy. I mean, it was 2002 when the Federation was refounded because it was, I mean, Rugby League existed here, funnily enough. One of the few countries in Europe where rugby league came before union, it was brought over by, mm. by the French in the fifties, and then wow, yeah, and then by the mid sixties, it was it was gotten rid of, it was banned. Why? But, Why? Well, apparently at that time in Croatia and Slovenia they were playing union, and in Serbia mm. uh, they were playing league, and it was the. The Serbs here will say it was the Croatians. I think it was probably pressure from London, but they were saying, oh, you've got to unify the type of rugby you play. So they, they banned rugby league. Jeez, it's been a story that has uh, been repeated yeah, hasn't it? around the rugby league world so often. Mm. I mean, the, one of the most famous stories is the Vichy government in France. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I still hear stories now from different governments. But let's... Let's not dwell on that. Um, yeah, so they the founded the Federation in 2002 and it's it's grown from there, really. I mean, it's, it's um, as I say, it's still kind of in its infancy. The, the people who founded the, the refounded the Federation are still running the game. It's, it needs to grow and evolve a bit more in that, in that sense. Okay, you're a development director, aren't you? You're according well, to your Facebook profile. Yeah, I have been. I have been at Red Star. I mean, it's, it's all changed and growing now since we got these uh, Australian backers in a few years ago. Uh, Who are they? Uh, that's Colin Clearwig and his wife Marina. Marina's a Serb, so that, okay. that's not yeah. why they're involved. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Colin, do, they, do, they, do they have much to do with what you do on the ground there? Yeah, they do. I mean, because they, they, they wanted the Challenge Cup, you know, they wanted to, to, mm. to do things like this rather than uh, but now they're, they're going into the, the, the um, youth development side more. So one of our senior players, Vlada Dedic, has taken on that mantle that I had really as a de development director. And he's done a lot of work with the kids in okay. the schools and stuff. So that's great. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you busy with rugby league day to day, or do you have a different no, job? I, I, I mainly translate nowadays. I translate from Serbian <laughs> to English. Okay, okay. Gen- how do I say how do how do I say hello in Serbian? I'll start the next podcast with that. Zdravo. 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 Yeah. Z d r a v o. Where does um, Serbian rugby league want to be? Where does Red Star? Belgrade rugby league want to be because that's a name we all know outside of Serbia. Yeah, well, in some way we're we're limited by where does where do we want to be? I mean, I think Serbian rugby league wants to at one point be able to compete in World Cups with um, homegrown talent. You know, mm. that's a long way down the line. Uh, <laughs> Red Star. I mean, Colin came in with the ambition to and. Me and Jelko Delic, we were running the club for, for years before that, and we said, you know, it'd be great to one day have Red Star in the Super League. But, yeah. you know, that's that's also a long way down the track. That's where we're, we're I was just going to say, is that realistic, or is it a pipe dream, or is it somewhere in between? Yeah, it's somewhere in between. I mean, it's... it's Okay. But our, I, I can, what I consider our main success now is that we've managed, like, we've got five or six players who are Serbian boys who learn to play the game here who've gone on to play professionally in France you know mm-hmm. there's a bit happening at the minute isn't there Mark um, there's a bit going on I think Red Star won a game uh, yesterday we're talking on Monday yeah, that's right. the 6th of July yeah yeah, yeah. So so yesterday... did you did, did you play no unfortunately I was filming I do some uh, some acting work as well here when they need a, a native English speaker so I was on a film you're an actor. You were probably knackered after what you did the week before, though, because didn't you You have a bit of a busy day? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I played for, for Red Star in the derby against Partizan, which was a bit of a bruiser. And then after that, I, Radnicki Nish was shot. And my missus is from Nish, so they're, they're like, oh, you know, your hours, really. <laughs> so I played, played for them. That was good. And what... What do you do with that? Like, is is that sort of allowed in Serbian rugby league? Yeah, because it's fill in? because it's developmental and stuff. And they'd they'd yeah. they'd been shot and they'd driven all the way from Nish and only had twelve players. So it was it seemed a shame to make yeah. them play with twelve players. And so it's all it's, you've had you've had that okay from the powers that be. Yeah, you can play under the same name. Yeah, it was no. But I mean, I spoke to. First of all, I asked Red Star if they objected. No. Then we asked the opposition yep. club if they had a problem with it. No. And the federation said, as long as nobody else has got a problem with it, it's it's fine. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because I I often think that a lot of these European nations are going to have problems like that quite regularly. So we need to be a little bit lateral with our thinking and allow players yeah, to definitely to move from one. So how does that work in terms of registration, insurance, and yeah, well, uh, and all that kind of we're thing? all centrally insured by uh, with by the Serbian Federation. So every six months you have to do a medical checkup and stuff, and then they'll they'll, they'll mm-hmm. register you, which is um, which is a good way to do it. I mean, for me, I, I agree with you, and we have to do think laterally. And I was saying for yeah. years we should try and get a regular uh, nines league going because a lot of the clubs that have come and gone in Serbia. If we'd have had nines, they would have at least kept going in that format because it was just bodies on the ground they were lacking, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. The um, are you the only player that played a couple of games, or is there several that do that? Well, that is it a common thing? Second, it was only me. I mean, we have obviously, as we would have gone through as kids, some of our juniors will play on the Saturday for the juniors, and then if they have to, they'll come in on the Sunday for the seniors. Yeah. But, 
Not very yeah, often yeah. that people play two games in one day. How, how was your body after all that? Yeah, it wasn't too bad, to be honest. I mean, I feel really fit nowadays because I'm, I'm quite old now. I'm 44. Old man? Yeah. Old but man. when I turned 40, I thought, I want to extend my playing days. So I changed my diet, yeah. lifestyle, started doing yoga every day. And so I feel... Mm, yeah, you put that on the post, didn't you, about yeah, yoga? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mick Jagger switched to yoga apparently about forty odd, and that's why he can still dance the way he does. Yeah, it's just it's, it gives you a completely different posture and your movement. You feel everything. You get a stronger core. You, you just feel it like that. I will start my new yoga course tomorrow. <laughs> then um, the um, can you paint a picture for all the listeners? I mean, what's the standard like in Serbia? Oh, the standards like. Um, I don't know. You saw what, the Challenge Cup game. I think if we'd have been at the peak of our game, if we'd have played um, Millam at the end of the, the, the last, the previous season when we played the cup final, I think we would have beat them. Mm. I think we, okay. I think we're at the level of a good, um, a good amateur team, not quite the top okay. NCL level because they've just got mm. just bigger clubs, but someone mm-hmm. a good team playing in the Holland district league or something like that would, we, we would say, come on. And I think that's fair to say. That's awesome news. Mm. When can we expect to see Red Red Star Belgrade either in one of the Championship divisions or uh, Super League? Do you think, and what what is needed to get there? Well, um, I mean, the the if you ask if you ask the the Australians, Colin, and that it would be as soon as possible. Um, yeah, I think maybe within five years or so, if our if our juniors are going, and if we can get the financial backing. But there's been talk of doing a European League, which would be maybe be. Um, Something that's maybe be more viable rather than us playing. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody in Serbia entered the Euro 13s, did they? No, no. I don't know why. What? Do, do, do you have a do you have a personal opinion about that, or does Serbian rugby league have an opinion? Yeah, I don't know why why they haven't gone in for that one. I mean, um, I've heard about it. Maybe it's it's it's, uh, it's because it's a knockout format rather than being around robin and. Potentially to play one game. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. And the, the been the Balkan Super League haven't been played this season because of this whole um, pandemic thing going on. Yeah, uh, apparently there's a pandemic going around the world. Apparently, yeah. apparently. You wouldn't know it if you're in Queensland like I am. I mean, it's been <laughs> it's been so relaxed. Um, yeah. Last last question. Um, what's left for 2020? What what will Mark Pullen be doing this weekend and how many teams will you be playing for and, uh, <laughs> uh, and all that kind of thing? Yeah, well, I mean, as you were saying about yesterday's game, I mean, if I was there, I'd probably have been commentating yesterday and it was uh, okay. it was the curtain, it was the final game for um, Dalibor Vukanovic, who was the Dortchel talisman and legend. And, and I think mm. if, if we can get more young players coming through of, of Dalibor's calibre, then we'll really see the game, game grow. Um, okay. 2020 for me, it's going to be about you know um, I, we might we, we might be moving down to Nish at some point in the next year, so I might be doing more work with uh, Radnički Nish, awesome. the club. Yeah, uh, I think they yeah, yeah, they yeah. need what I what I can offer more than Red Star do now. Red Star are, are uh, okay. doing really well. Mate, the game is full of people like you who grew up in Heartland Rugby League, who've spread their wings and. Uh, are adding to value in different countries, so all power to you. And 
keep up the yoga. Thanks, Liam. Um, and I'll let you know how I'm travelling with the yoga in a few weeks. All right, great. Much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with it. All right. Take care. Thanks for painting the picture for us, mate. All right, mate. No problem. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Carlo, um, I've got an awful feeling before I introduced that segment, I called Mark by a different name. My apologies, his name was Mark Pullen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm... I think you called him Anthony, I think. <laughs> I think I called him Roger. Oh, I can't Andrew. remember. Oh, well, listen, we're not going to go down the Mongolian and uh, now. yeah, yeah. We need to do one a week, don't we? We need to get one wrong a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what do you yeah. think of the interview, mate? Mate, I thought it was a great interview. I think... Um... Mate, I, I, I wouldn't mind talking a little bit more about this senior player playing for two two different clubs. I just I, I just don't think that's right. You know, I think I know we're all trying to grow, but we've just got to be careful here. Not only mm. that player welfare, but also, mm. you know, um, it's just not, I just don't think it's it's the game, in it, when you play for two different clubs? Well, I didn't really want to put Mark on the spot when I spoke to him, because ultimately um, there's decision makers that are in and around him, if not above him in the organisation. So what we'll do in the coming weeks, I'll reach out to Colin Clowick, who's uh, based over here in Australia as well, who's a director of both uh, Red Star, Belgrade and um, the Rugby League European Federation. Look, I think you and I both know the reality. That's that's just (laughs) Yeah, but sorry, mate. That's just just bizarre on its own. You know, how can he be... um, a conflict there with with it being a part of a club as well as being a a, a major a major stakeholder in in, in the governance. Uh, uh, listen, uh, yeah, let's get him on. Let's ask yeah, him the yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know uh, I mean, because I think I think that's I think that's a conflict in itself. Lee. Oh, potential conflict if it's not nutted out in writing and all those kind of things. But one thing I was going to say, mate, is that we are not overswimming with resources in in rugby league anyway in a lot of these yeah. countries. So you and I both know that. In a country like Serbia or Poland or Italy or wherever it may be, there will be times, particularly during times of COVID, we're still right smack bang in the middle of this pandemic around the world, that Mm -hmm. there are going to have to be some kind of sharing of of human resources. And Mark suggested on that conversation then that he got that cleared higher above. My concern, Carlo, is that, it might not have been in writing or something like that. It might have been a phone call, and yeah, that's fine, no problem. And I think it's a dangerous yeah. precedent. It's, I think it's a really yeah, dangerous 100%. precedent. Right. Yeah. Uh, but from from a legal standstill, it's it it's just very it's very concerning from from a player welfare scenario. And not only that, like listen, we all know we've all grown up where even um, you know you would go off and play, and I've done it too as a junior. I would play for the seniors and stuff like that. And he did mention something in and around that, but we've just got to be real careful here. You know, the fact of the matter is, even though we are growing a sport, we don't want to bastardise the the actual game um, by by a player playing for two clubs. The um, It sort of brings me on to, you mentioned last week about Tech playing for uh, origin, Spanish origin. Do you remember? Do yeah. you remember that conversation? You mentioned yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, Texas poll, and he was living in Spain for a while. So we got a response from the AERL, the head of the AERL, which is the Association Espana de Rugby League, has responded as follows: We have looked into it and are satisfied that both the Madrid team and the AERL sought the correct permissions prior to including Wojciech Shikovsky in the squad. Um, 
that was a previous regime to the current Spanish regime. Um, I think the key issue, mate, is why is there a shortage of players? I mean, I can only talk yeah. about you're growing a sport, yeah. Man. It's, yeah. It's, it's the way it is, mate. I like it. I think if you've not been involved in these smaller nations or developing nations, you don't fully understand it. But yeah. bottom line is, you're right. Maybe the idea of of getting a team on the field is is one or two players yeah, from another club yeah, yeah. in order to play that game. And that, like you know, I said, and and, and again, the be- they've got the they've got the best heart, they've got the best uh, interest of the game yeah. at heart. We've just got to be a little bit careful that it doesn't go on because it's not a great look, is it? And, it? and especially no. if it gets out into the into the wrong hands. Um, I mean, Spain, for example, I know for a fact yeah. with my Spanish involvement, we've got I think it's one hundred and eighty or two hundred players on the books now so with correct marketing and uh, push and uh, a coordinated effort it can happen so i don't know maybe maybe it's the coronavirus pandemic has just kept people indoors a little bit in some i don't know And, and i just think there's got to be something a bit more official from the rlef so if you're allowed yeah. to do that, maybe on two occasions in a year to help the process, because got, got to remember too, there are countries that are getting turned down for full membership of the Rugby League Feder- International Federation because they can't get four domestic teams. Well, if other countries are doing that, but some of their players are playing for two clubs, two clubs straight yeah. away, it there's a, there's a how's, how's your father moment. And I'm not, yeah, yeah, and I'm, and I'm not chucking stones here or anything like that because what we'll do no, is we'll no, get no, Colin no. on and find out. And and Colin's a great bloke and, and we'll have a great chat with him. Um, listen, Carlo, I'm keen to hear your interview with the Norway coach. What was his name and what kind of thing? Did you Dean call Hunter. Dean Hunter. Yeah. yeah, well, very exciting and, and I'm looking forward to, to having a decent chat with Let's him. Let's do it. And we've got Dave Hunter on the line from the Norwegian Rugby League. Um, Dave, thank you for for coming on and uh, spending time with us. I just want you to give a bit of an intro uh, and a bit of a a, a description of your role within the Norwegian Rugby League. Yeah, sure. Um, So my role is is, uh, basically I'm a a board member. Um, I coach um, my local club. Which is? Uh, Lillestrøm Rugby League Club. Uh, and I coach the, the uh, Norwegian men's team as well. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And, and the journey so far for the Norwegian Rugby League, what, what's it been like the last, uh, last couple of years? Uh, domestically, um, you know, we've, we've seen a, a fair bit of growth. Um, it's starting to even out now. Yeah. Um, internationally... The um the men's team have, have done well. Um, obviously, you know, disappointing to to not go further in the in the World Cup qualifying. But you know, yeah, you were, you got beat by Greece. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we got we got beaten by Greece. Yeah, right. And then obviously Greece progressed, and uh, which kind of put you out of the qualifications. Yeah, just a couple of big big barriers. Uh, I, I know we've talked very very informally, but what where do you see the big relate uh, the, the big big barriers? I would say in in the progression of uh, rugby league in Norway. Yeah, so it's all the work done in Norway to to develop rugby league and and you know form clubs and all the rest of it. Yeah. It's done off the back of, of volunteers. Um, 
you know, so so it, everyone involved is a volunteer. There's no there's no paid position or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, you know, some some guys they get burnt out, you know, by doing taking on too much of the responsibility, and you know that sees, you know, some clubs disappear, unfortunately. Yeah. Of course, of but course. But it's just just the nature of the beast, really, isn't it? Just we're talking about a volunteer sector. Obviously, the whole Norwegian rugby league is volunteer based. A lot of the funding would come from the Olympic Committee or the Sport Accord, um, which we've discussed previously. Dave is, you know, Sport Accord is basically what is rec- what recognises the sport as an Olympic sport, and therefore funding is dropped down from that to, to all the various countries around the world. Um, and again, the biggest problem we've got is that world rugby is is recognised, which is rugby union, and usually the same people who run rugby union have got the coffers off uh, on the money that really should be distributed to rugby league as well. Do you find that that's a a real barrier for for uh, for further development with getting development officers into schools or in and around the areas? Um. Yeah, it is, but you know, in saying that, the 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 Norwegian Rugby Federation, you know, that that that's kind of an um, umbrella organisation that covers like Gaelic, wheelchair, league union, wow. all the rest of it. So there's not a lot of money there in the first place, but yeah, you know, obviously it is a, a massive barrier because you know if you could have a couple of full time development officers, yeah, um, things suddenly could- look a lot better. Yeah, of course they do. You know, you get you get into reach, you get contact, and therefore, you know, when you get contact, you get people trying the game, and therefore, it, it's just a conveyor belt of development, as we all know how it goes. The um, some good news story though, you do have a side in the uh, upcoming Euro 13s. Yes, so um, uh, Stavang uh, Rugby Club will be representing Norway in that in that competition, which will will be exciting. I think it's a great concept, the Euro 13s. I was and, um, just yeah, about to say that. To what's your thought? What's your thoughts on the concept? I think it's great. I think it's um, you know, it's about time something like this happened, really. Um, and the yeah, fact yeah. that it's it's funded is amazing. So, um, you know, it'll it'll be good for the countries who, you know, may be struggling a little bit domestically to to get that little boost. Yeah. And you know, for Norway, you know, it could reignite the uh the nordic cup where, where we used to play sweden and denmark um every year you know so yeah fingers crossed it's gonna it's gonna be a good one yeah and i think you know we we've been talking to people in and around all the european countries and i think this euro 13s competition dave is a, a real uh, it's a game changer really it's been on the horizon of being mentioned for a number of years and it's never been nothing's been done about it and then obviously the three founding members have just gone well we're going to do something about it and and away they've and the way they've gone and i think um uh, subconsciously i think it can assist with the development of domestic rugby league in in all small developing countries because it is a big character dangle and say listen if you do come through these channels you can play in this team and god god knows you know you could have two or three teams from norway in the next five years yeah exactly i mean i can't see anything negative about this competition at the moment i think i think it's going to be great 
Yeah, I, I think from it though, it's got to it's got to provide funding pots. I think, I think that's the that's the key area of it. It's got to have pathways and stuff like that. But you know, um, I, I think Norwegian rugby league, and especially a man with your passion as well, David. I think you can. Um, we we all know that it's going to be in good hands. And and uh, again, we would love to to interview again interview you again down the line and just to see how everything's progressing. How does yeah. that sound? That sounds good, mate. But, you know, there are a lot of hardworking volunteers in Norway, you know, at, at, at all the clubs that are that are doing a really good job. It's, you know, it's definitely far from a, a one-man show. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I agree with your sentiment there. I think, you know, it's not everyone needs to be thanked and you're just uh, you're just one of many, I think, Dave. But, yeah, yeah from, from our point of view in the Rugby Rugby League Europe podcast, we, we, we thank you and uh, thanks for your time, mate. It's really give us a good insight to, to what, what Norwegian Rugby League is all about. Yeah, no problem, mate. Thank you very much, mate. Okay, bye. See you, Dave. Interesting chat, Carlo. Yeah, very good man. Uh, Dave Hunter is from the Norwegian Rugby League. As he said, mate, one of many, uh, just trying to get the game out there. Just seems every time that we we talk to one of these small nations or um, an up-and-coming nation in rugby league, it's all about funding. And again, this Sport Accord uh, argument that, um, just for the listeners out there, Sport Accord basically recognise the Olympic uh, committees in, in countries. Uh, and unfortunately, Sport Accord uh, recognise World Rugby um, and not Rugby League on its own. So therefore, any funding that comes through the Olympic Committee for uh, Rugby League, uh, where, where it should be funded, um, it's it, it goes to it goes to rugby union to be dispersed, and uh, obviously it's not finding its way to, to rugby league, and that's the issue that we've got, Lee. Unfortunately, um, we're also setting things up for next week. You're going to talk a little bit about your Italian experiences, aren't we? Um, was there much influence from rugby union in Italy in a negative way, or was it positive? Because what I got from that interview was Dave was talking about problems with rugby union. Somewhat. Well, I, I think uh, reading between the lines, it seems that rugby union is is not is struggling in, in Norway, and I think um, when when you've got all those kind of throw throwaway sports under one little banner that's probably got one funding, I think it's going to be very difficult for any of them to survive, isn't it? Really. Yeah, so yeah. it's uh, and just to answer your question. You know, we we tried really hard in the 2013 World Cup. We invited a board member um, who was uh, friends with Orazio Daro, who's the president of uh, Phil, uh, to, to come into our changing sheds uh, for the Millennium Stadium game when we when we played Wales in the opening opening uh, weekend. And nice. you know, I thought I thought our bridge had um, had been. Uh, a, a bridge, a bridge was offered, uh, and it just never, never, it never eventuated, which was quite sad. But I think uh, with rugby union, I think there's some good people there, but they're just scared to be the first ones to make the make the contact. But we definitely need to coexist in this day and age, especially wow. in the small nations, in the minnow nations. Mm. It, who cares? It's not a war, is it? We, you know, we're trying well, to develop if, a sport. If they eat each other up, there'll be no rugby codes. And I think, you know, rugby league. Is pretty good at having wars with itself, as is exemplified by some of this Euro 13 stuff. Next mm -hmm. week, Carlo, we're going to get somebody, one of the organisers in, one of three. We're going to pin them down before next week. We'll advertise it on social media. But we're going to put your questions to us, uh, to our guests, sorry, not to us. So send us your questions on Twitter at the RLE podcast. Um, R-L-E-M-P are all capital letters. 
on Instagram, the RLE podcast, all lowercase, and on Facebook, just type in Rugby League Europe podcast. And I mentioned Twitter and I mentioned social media because that's where it's all been kicking off, Carlo. Um, <laughs> there was a statement from the European Federation about a day or two after the Euro 13 started launching their stuff, um, basically saying that the Euro 13s had no sanction to pursue its ambitions. It couldn't do, it wasn't allowed to do what it was doing. And then a rugby, another very well-respected rugby league journalist referred to them as rebels and called them a rebel comp and said, this is very, very much rugby league. And then it all kicked off on Twitter a little bit. And just to give everyone a bit of a taste, because we're going to pull up all the tweets we can before next week. Um, uh, Alan Robinson, again, a respected person in rugby league circles and a lovely man, um, uh, went on a Twitter tirade in response to, to the announcement a few weeks later that a Birmingham team were going to be in the Euro 13s. On June the 22nd, his tweet said, um, perhaps talking to at Brum, Brum Bulldogs RL, who have been developing the game in Birmingham for 30 years, perhaps the RFL for sanction for what you are doing to assist, verify your deals and give you the right support. That was in that was in response to somebody asking what is the why what is the right way because Alan had already said in some tweets that the the, the Euro thirteens were doing things in the wrong way. Um, in one of his tweets again on June the twenty second, he must have been having a right go that day. There is a right way and a wrong way, and the right way is to work with others and the RFL. Um, and it just went on and on. So we're going to pull as many of these as we can. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask the person that we get from Euro thirteens. Well, the the bottom line to that is if the RFL have had the power and, and they would have done it, then the Euro 13s wouldn't have occurred the way it did, but they didn't. So yeah. I, think, I think it answers its own question. But yeah, mate, very interesting. And I think, you know, we're, we're all passionate about what we do, but I think everyone's entitled to their own opinion and we've got to respect that, whether it's good, bad or indifferent. I'm just going to throw in one more tweet before we go, Carlo. Uh, you're, 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 you're on a tweet. Uh, Steve Mascord, my mate, on June the 21st. There are logistical issues with a cross-border league putting teams inside the jurisdiction of a domestic body without that body's support. Match officials, judiciary, insurance, perhaps domestic body sponsors, feeling they have rights to all RL. It's interesting in that regard. I think this is going to be a great topic, and I'm going to put them straight to... Whoever it is, Dean Buchan, Tiziano, uh, Lorazio. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put it straight to them. Um, no punches pulled, what do you reckon? No, no, I think, again, we're a Rugby League Europe podcast and we don't support anyone. We don't get paid by anyone. So, <laughs> you know, we're quite independent as it as it goes. And, and yeah. you know, we're doing this because we're passionate about European Rugby League. And I think right. um, from that perspective, we can ask the questions that we want. Now, if there is a question that you do have and that you want to pose, then jump on the social media and, and, and ask us. And to be honest, I want to ask the listeners questions. And the other thing is, they're our best researchers and they always will be. Of course they are. Carlo, nobody says goodbye better than you on this show. Let, can you please close out episode three of the Rugby League Europe podcast? Ciao, ragazzi! <laughs> Thanks for listening. All right, good work, mate. That's a good one.